about them. I, I'm sorry, I, I really don't know what you're driving. I just don't. Perhaps the wall is bathed in its yellow light, or perhaps there's been some interference in Bob's brain, but that's how he sees the white wall. Wasn't it enough to be navigating the pandemic? It was enough for me. I... I was in my third month of working from home, and I, I don't take for granted for a second, truly, that I, I have a work from something um, situation because I have friends and a lot of uh, people in my life that do not. So I'm super, um, as much as as much as I can be, I'm I am conscious and grateful, uh, and I want to continue to be that way. But that was a pretty good level of extra existential angst. And I, um, like all of us, um, like about a week and a half ago now, it's, by the way, it's Saturday, June 6, 2020. And uh, the George Floyd thing happens. And a whole different level of uh, existential angst laid laid upon top of us, our society, our even our world. I saw where Germany, <laughs> where the the good Germans in uh, Berlin, I believe, were um, demonstrating on behalf of the United States. Um, man, that is interesting. Uh, de- de- uh, declaring. Um, declaring Black Lives Matter and declaring that um, the will of the people be heard generally is what I took from the uh, quick clip I saw of the of the German um, groups in uh, downtown Berlin. I am inside. It's a little before noon and I am in my office studio space, which is thankfully air-conditioned it's unusually warm outside I was outside earlier this morning a bit for a little bit of um, exercise and man oh man uh, so I am glad to be in and I, I I listened during my jog earlier to audiobook Allison Moore's blood I first came across Allison Moore over 10 years ago, um, she was at the time, first of all, she's a singer-songwriter from Alabama, kind of deep Alabama, sort of like Mobile, but not not fancy Mobile, more like um, outside Mobile by a good ways. <laughs> so the Gulf, and uh, I didn't know a whole lot about her, but she was, she's a talented singer and songwriter and I liked her stuff. I didn't get deep into her stuff, but I liked, I liked her voice and I liked her approach and kind of Americana-y and, um, and then the, the big, the big thing is she and Steve Earle, outlaw country superstar. Is that a thing? Is that a paradox? Outlaw country superstar, Steve Earle. 
they married, uh, I think it was 2007 or 2008 in there. And I am a huge Steve Earle fan. <laughs> he is, he is uniquely paradoxical and he's got, he's got such a weird mix of pain and overcoming and, uh, a kind of socialism and an Americanism and, and a consciousness of the military and a consciousness of the working man and a consciousness of the manipulation that appears to happen quite frequently of the, the good working people of America and then the middle class and, and, and all of us. But, um, anyway, Steve Earl brought Alison Moore to the service of, of my, uh, paying attention to art and life in Nashville and saw Allison and Steve perform a few times. Like just, she'd be brought out as a special guest during one of his shows. I've seen Steve Earl many times, usually in Nashville. Um, Allison Moore's parents, in 1986, she was 14 or 15, I believe, if I have my dates right. And again, kind of rural-ish, southern Alabama. Um, her dad, who'd struggled with a variety of issues, including alcoholism. Uh, and, the, and the earlier morning came, he wasn't living at the house that her and her mom and her sister were. And he came and... and uh, 1986 on a, I believe an August morning shot Allison's mother with a rifle and then turned the gun on himself and shot himself in the forehead with a rifle and the book starts there and I'm jogging through Percy Warner Park and it's a beautiful morning except for being incredibly hot and humid <laughs> but um I'm about, let's see, I'm about 25% through Alison Moore Blood, a memoir. She's only about, she's still like, she's still young in the book. I assume we're going to get a little bit further. Uh, it's, it's very good and it's very tragic. And I'm a sucker for... I'm a sucker for people trying to understand where they came from. And sometimes understanding where you came from is just a couple of mysteries on top of each other. And I, um, I'm getting what I want <laughs> from Alison Moore. And so I recommend this book. At least it's great so far. And um, I'm sure it's available in book form and if possible, support local. I'm trying to support book purchases through local booksellers or um, folks that I know, no, no, need the money. I uh, need the revenue. I was in a funny mood before the, the Black Lives Matter. It's, I mean, what are we calling this this additional 
consciousness. I, it, it could be. Uh, I'm sure if I was a, if I was a little more um, on top of it, I would be able to just rattle it off for you. <laughs> um, I and I I want to go into it a little bit. I I'm not sure what we're calling it. It's uh, it's sort of like the the, the African American consciousness awakening for white people. It's, you know, obviously the, the, I don't think any of the African Americans are, um, (laughs) they're not waking up to their plight and they're not waking up to what is, is happening. Um, they're waking up to what's possible and that's exciting. I am someone that went last Saturday to the Nashville legislative plaza area demonstration. And it was a protest. There was not, I I guess I hesitated to call it a protest. This is about three o'clock till about five o'clock. And I did leave a little early and Tara was with me and, um, I wanted to go. So why did I go down there? And I think I, I can speak for Tara. We went down there to be in solidarity with our neighbors who are black and say, we hear your frustration and we hear your, we hear your plight. I know I already, I already used that word. What's a, what's a good word for plight? I don't know. It's, it's short. It's a one syllable word. It feels awesome. Plight. We, we feel your pain, dear black brothers and sisters. And of course, everyone's wearing their masks. I mean, I, I guess I should say like, you don't have to be wearing a mask to go down there, but 90% or something is wearing, almost everyone is It's like two thirds black. It's fine. And, and it's thousands of people. It's not. I've been to small protests and been a part of small protest at the legislative area, um, primarily capital punishment related. Um, I was a part of a, a thing last year with um, demonstrating against the Tennessee uh, capital punishment rules, but and that was like thirty people. So when it's big, I definitely feel it. And this is like this is thousands of people. And it was, it was, uh, it was hard to hear. There was not, I don't know. I truly have no idea what the expectation should be or could be. And there's no making fun or blame, but it was difficult to hear what the speakers were saying. There was one bullhorn and, uh, that was all I could make out, but the bullhorn was I think a couple, it could have been one, one or two things. It could have been just not that loud of a bullhorn. And then the second thing is I could have been running out of batteries cause it wasn't like plugged in. I don't think. So I couldn't hear that well. Um, and so every, <laughs> there would be, I was with Tara, we were kind of towards the back and every now and then there would just be a wave of applause. And then people like around me would start applauding. And then I would sort of like, uh, clap, 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 clap. And now the clap, <laughs> I leaned over to Terry and I'm like, they could be saying the most vicious things or, or not, but I have no idea what I'm clapping to and it's kind of funny. And they could be saying, death to all whites. And then, and of course I'm joking, but but then suddenly I'm clapping. Um, but anyway, uh, 
I've been around long enough. Way better done than perfect when it comes to demonstrating. Way better done than perfect for most um, flourishes of of democracy and humanity and podcasts. <laughs> and I, um, I gotta say, I was I was a couple things. I knew we were primarily there because we were conscious of police brutality and that demonstration last Saturday. And then I also knew that we were surrounded by um, Metro Davidson County police. So that's interesting, isn't it? Um, There's police precinct right down the way, a block or two down there. And, um, I, it was just, it, it, I just didn't know quite what to expect. I didn't know quite how, I didn't know if the police, uh, expected trouble. This is again, early in the afternoon or like three, three, three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon, kind of mid afternoon. Um, and then, so, and, and I could, I had a, like anything, you know, you're kind of looking around, you're kind of taking in the different colors, shapes, flavors, all the different kinds of people there. Um, and I was just as weird as any of them and normal as any of them. Um, there was a few folks though that I was like, I think they may be intoxicated or I think they may be on drugs. And I'm not saying they were black or white. They were one of the two. I don't even remember. Just kind of acting a little, little crazy, a little bit loud. I mean, it was relatively somber. And then there'd be people like in the middle of a quiet crowd, just like yelling and kind of laughing. And I'm like, ah, it looks like you might be on something. Um, Tara and I left about 4.30. We couldn't hear very well at all, and the, it was getting increasingly crowded, and it was it was a good thing, and I'm, I'm glad we were there. And then I just sort of like, ah, you know. And then we also, we before we had, before the protests had even come together, the demonstration had even come together, uh, we had made plans to dinner have dinner with a friend, and so we were, we were honoring that earlier commitment by leaving early also. So we leave, and... It's a, the, the protest, the demonstration that we were part of was scheduled to end at five. Uh, all of my information says it did end at that time and dispersed. Two blocks over from where we were is Broadway, the street of Broadway, and the shops and all the honky tonks of Broadway, which is where the trouble started around, and I'm going to guess... It, but it was mostly as sun was setting and then after dark, like after sunset, like 8 and 9 p.m., I think is fair to say. The courthouse of Davidson County, the big one down there um, on the green, uh, particularly vandalized and, and some of it set on fire. I mean, thankfully, it wasn't just some of the offices, but I mean, it's horrible. Um, and then the statue... I don't remember the person's name. There's a statue there in front of the state capitol as it looks over Legislative Plaza uh, off Church... Is it Church Street? Church Street. Um, the statue... I don't know how this is... I mean, statues, aren't they Aren't they pretty well solidified in the ground? Uh, I don't know how it happened, but the statue got torn down. Um, a lot... And then there was... There was, again, I'm still a student and I'm still learning information on what happened. There was a, a violent reaction 
in last Saturday night in Nashville. And that with the footage I've seen and the people that I've seen is different feeling than any of the stuff I was a part of that was a peaceable assembly between three and 5 PM. And I, I just care to say that I, I, I am sympathetic to, I would even, I'll just, I'm even sympathetic to a demonstration becoming violent. I'm not saying I would ever want that, but I could imagine that. What I said a minute ago was we were surrounded by Metro Davis and police kind of watching us. And we were there demonstrating to say that black lives matter because of police brutality in Minneapolis and the death, unfortunately, of George Floyd, as everyone knows. God forbid, and I'm so glad it didn't happen here, they're at the demonstration, but what if things had gotten overheated and what if police and demonstrators had engaged? Um, that would be bad. And that is the nature of expression as well. And I, again, you know, if you read, if, if I read anything around, around civil rights demonstrations and, and, um, and even just back up, I mean, even like the Egyptian uprising circa 2011, 2012, um, Iranian, I don't want to overdo pretending I know too much on these things, but in Iran, it was similar. Um, demonstrations plus increased heat, meaning metaphorically heat, <laughs> maybe physically heat because it gets hot this time of year in Nashville. But, but they're, they're gonna, they're gonna, um, th there are pathways toward engagement and violence, right? What happened in Nashville, to my opinion, was a different, a different thing. It was not, it was like one thing completely ended. And then there is a sense of opportunism and bad behaviors last Saturday night that erupted on Nashville's most iconic tourist area. And then a few blocks over from that is the courthouse area. It'd be interesting to know, and I'm sure this information is out there somewhere, but like how did the crowd, how did the crowd travel um, from one, from, from where to the next? I don't think it was the crowd from the demonstration. Were some of the people probably in that? Yeah, I think so. But were, but were, um, was it like some mass exodus from the demonstration to the acting out and the bashing in of boot country's windows and the looting and the damaging of these, in many cases, multi-million dollar establishments on Broadway? Um, I, I don't think it was the same group could have some overlap, but I don't think it was the same group of people. And from what I've seen, more than what I've seen, I know that one of the main people that lit fires on the Davidson County Courts building was a white young man, about 25 years old, um, who's been taken into custody. Uh, all sorts of charges, including like felony vandalism. White guy from Madison area, kind of north of Nashville, 
was he at the demonstration? I I have no idea to be clear, but the, but it was a different. It was the energy that he would have had would have been way out of place. Um, so I I've been watching as we all have how Americans respond to this time. I think one of the latest figures is there's been 400 cities in America that have had demonstrations in public spaces, civic gathering points, i.e. a Nashville legislative plaza. That's remarkable. I... <laughs> I mean, I uh, I was thinking while I was running, and I know I'm listening to Alison Moore while I was running. <laughs> by the way, it's narr- that book is narrated by her too, and she has a great voice. But I was thinking about my if if I had dreams for America, and I do, and I, if I had dreams for civic life, and I do. What would that look like? And despite how frightening spring, late winter, early spring, and now late spring, almost summer 2020 has been, and there was a lot of shit, in my opinion, at the national level, the last... But... Man, things to tell you and to tell myself what I already knew. Things really got jacked, and then obviously once we had the 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 race reform angle on top of it, wow. But I couldn't be more excited to see folks' real humanity coming to the surface and going above the surface. People do care. It's not all watch a bunch of Netflix, spend a bunch of money on crap. I mean, I'm talking about myself. (laughs) It's not all... There is a desire that has come to the surface and now moved above the surface for a better nation and to uphold the the voiceless I mean can you can you imagine if black folks are black brothers and sisters in every community we have in America, if they were doing this without, and this is a hypothetical, and I know maybe this is a bad, hypotheticals are, are oftentimes weapons, blunt instruments, but let me, let me just go here. If we hadn't have had the COVID, and I know it's in no way gone, we hadn't have had the pandemic and we hadn't have had Trump. Um, let's say an Obama, you know, 
I know, not, not to devolve into sort of an identity politic kind of thing, but let's just say we had a more functional president. It's... I know this is common sense. I'm just finally going to say it. We've had to go through the last several years, including these last two chapters, the COVID and now the brutal death of George Floyd, which is just one more brick and an enormous wall of senseless police, American police brutality in the 21st century, in the last year practically. We've had to go through all this shit, but finally there is this I'm going to stand up and say something. I'm going to do something. I'm going to write something. I'm going to post a poster. I'm driving through Bell Mead today in uh, on the way to go running at the Warner Parks. And uh, someone just randomly posted a sign. I'm not going to get it quite right. <laughs> These are like multi-million dollar homes in every direction on like Page Road. Uh, and there's someone posted a sign like... Something like everyone you know is going through the chance to learn love or practice love. Something kind of hippy-drippy, right? Um, I hope it's been there for a couple of weeks and I hope it stays just as long as possible. I feel like making some signs. <laughs> is that crazy? What are signs good for? Well, they're not going to feed people. Um, signs are about activating our deeper consciousness as humans, which I would argue is a spiritual consciousness, which I would argue is actually kindness, compassion, empathy. It's an entire direction away from fear from quote what if everyone did that unquote and quote what about mine unquote it's selfless to see these demonstrations man who's got time to demonstrate how can it be safe to demonstrate during a pandemic and yet my wife Tara uh, went to a second demonstration on Thursday night of this week, and it was led by teens. I believe it was mostly African American teens, joined by like a group of like four of them, joined by some white teens, and they were joined by thousands. I've, I mean, there's one picture. I forget which avenue it is. It's near Hermitage Hotel. I think it's right in front of Hermitage. Is that 6th Street, I think? Um, there's thousands of people Thursday night in Nashville. Same area as the one from last Saturday. Um, so, I... This was not going on a year ago. This was not going on during the Obama administration. This is not something I have in my... In my experience... So the things I things I have demonstrated against. Um, then you could say demonstrated for. Maybe that's a better way to say. It. What have I demonstrated for? But all in in, in inherent in the for is an against. 
I some of my earliest marches were probably in the early 2000s. I had never participated in a Martin Luther King Jr. Day march, and it turns out Nashville has a great one every uh, what is it January 21 or so. I think maybe the date moves around a bit, but it's like the third Monday of January, Martin Luther King birthday observed. And on uh, Jefferson Street here in Nashville, there's uh, always a bunch of great African American leadership and other leadership. Uh, folks like the chancellors of universities are there just in very humble ways, carrying signs or banners, uh, a lot of black and white together. And it's, that was some of my earliest, I had never, I just, it wasn't in my life growing up, uh, to demonstrate that was something other people did. Uh, if they, if anyone did, it was what other people did. And I didn't even know in high school, I mean, I went to Kempsville High School, a big public high school, but it was very middle class. Um, I don't ever remember. <laughs> I mean, there was some there was some countercultural types at Kempsville. I don't remember anybody though. I, you know what, what was it like? This is the early '90s, the end of the Bush administration, the beginning of the Clinton administration. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. What would have been issues to demonstrate around? Um, I'm drawing a blank, but I like that question for myself. Surely something happened in those three years I was at Kemsville, but I don't remember anybody from high school. I would have been afraid to join them, and I would have considered it not necessary to join them. Well, anyway, fast forward. I, I'm living in a city where teens are leading and getting tons of coverage. I mean, more than coverage, they attracted some of the most defiant looking riot uh, gear wearing uh, law enforcement I've ever seen and this is apparently Nashville's own guard they knew that it was teens it was a teen led protest and so the Nashville um, police force activated I don't know if they were all Nashville police or not but these like extreme 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 uh, face shield and shield shield and like all the futuristic I mean this looks like it looked like the most insane body weapon armor or whatever and they were all there meeting the teens and uh, this is like on Broadway I was just like man that if I had been a part of Things like that when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, it would have changed my life. You want to know. I So I did the Martin Luther King stuff around like 2002 was my first time. Uh, and, that, you know, it's very relaxed, really. I mean, there's there's nothing. It's It was really good for me. It was a very good beginning beginner time but you know you want to know when I when I kind of took it to the next level was five-ish years later I went I went deeper than I expected to go into the Catholic peace and justice group and specifically there is a a Jesuit priest that I came across who at the time was probably around 50. Um, and he's living out in New Mexico. 
But he'd been a, I, I, I come across this guy. His name is John Deere, D-E-A-R, a Jesuit. And he's got a, someone had made a big video on him called uh, The Narrow Path. And it just come out. And it kind of changed, I mean, it did change my life. Because at the beginning of the summer of 2007, I came across some business online and the next thing I knew, I was inviting people over to watch a DVD I'd special ordered of John, someone that had made a documentary of John Deere called The Narrow Path, as I mentioned. And then the church I was going to at the time, I talked them into, it was not a big deal, but we just ended up watching it during like a, a Sunday school before church hour. And then on at the time, at the time, uh, John Deere's website um, was like, "Come join us in Los Alamos, New Mexico, near Santa Fe, New Mexico, to demonstrate against nuclear weapons." And I, I knew that I was, I knew that nuclear weapons were not something that were in any way a part of the solution to anything. But I didn't, you know, you got to pick and choose your causes. But the more that I read, the more that I realized, oh my gosh, this, this nuclear weapons thing in America is out of control. And no, there's, (laughs) no one is saying anything. No one's doing anything. And I'm learning this except for this one, apparently, you know, uh, this one guy, John Deere, SJ. And I, so the big, the big point, I kind of earned my wings. I cobbled together enough money to go to fly out to Albuquerque and then get from Albuquerque to, um, the Los Alamos and Santa Fe area. And I, I remember, <laughs> I remember I was reaching out to, total strangers that I would find their name that they were a part of this Pax Christi group and they lived there in the area and they were Catholic peace and justice types. And I was just like, and I was announcing, I, would I do this again? I don't know. Um, I just, I remember I just did not have hardly, I just didn't have much money for this trip at all. And I didn't know what I was doing at all, except I was captivated by the idea of, this is a really bad situation with, with nuclear weapons and it's getting worse and we don't have any plan except to keep, keep it going and no one is speaking out. And I thought, well, my conscience is leading me to do something and I have just enough time and just enough money to get out there, but I don't have enough money to like even stay at hotels really. And I thought, and, and that would be weird anyway, cause I would like to meet some of these people. So the big point is I went out there and I demonstrated and I, it was part of like 200 people. And I, I met, it was almost all folks that were relatively local to Albuquerque slash, um, Santa Fe area. And we, to, uh, mimic the book of Jonah when he, eventually was a part of 
speaking about the sins of Nineveh, he wore sackcloth in front of the city, as I under, as I recall. I need to read up on Jonah, let's be honest. Um, and then also put ashes on his head. We, about 200, maybe 300 of us in broad daylight, I think it was towards 300, I'm not just saying that. I think it was towards 300 now that I think of it. Um, and there's newspaper articles. The, the protest has gone on really every year. But we, in silence, went as close as you can get to Los Alamos National Defense Laboratories, I believe. This is where they make and maintain the science that creates nuclear weapons. And the nukes are stored all over the, mostly the desert areas of the United States. But then there's some other, there's, there's U.S. nukes stored around the world. Um, there's some great conspiracy theories about where nukes are stored, U.S. nukes. Including Belfast. But anyway, that's for another podcast. Um, In sackcloth and ashes, we spoke out and rallied. So we actually had a soundstage for this. It wasn't me, but like the organizers had a soundstage. They had a few celebrities. I didn't recognize them. Uh, But the, the main guy, John Deere, has been arrested and imprisoned and been a part of... Been a part of... uh protest of many kinds for years. I mean, it's kind of his, his thing. He has since left the Jesuits <laughs> and I think is still in the Catholic church, but it's a little fuzzy. Uh, but he and I are friends. And, uh, anyway, that's more on him another time. I went back and did the same demonstration event the very next year, 2008. And, um, I got as much and more out of it the second time Hopeful people do hopeful things. Human beings do human things. Human things include embrace the plight of those who appear to not have or, or don't have the energy or, or seeming inertia to express their voice help lift those voices up. That's being, that's a human thing. The, uh, one of the chants from the other night, and it's become one of the big chants around, around the country, no justice, no peace. And I've, I've chanted a lot of things at demonstrations. Um, I've not, I mean, I know that phrase, it's an easy phrase, but it's one that you can kind of, go deep into. You can almost just sit there and think about. The initial uprisings for the George Floyd stuff was the the Minneapolis authorities sat on doing anything for the main cop. His last name is Chauvin, I think. The main cop with the knee on the neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. He was just, he had been fired, but there had been no arrest. This is for three days. And the, the, the world erupted. And that is, is... Is this a rough time? Yes. Is it an uncertain time? Yes. Does this time cause me to eat and drink more? 
Yes. Do I have more time to exercise? And am I, in my own way, getting into good shape the last two-ish weeks? Yes. I... I believe more good is coming right now through all this shit that is truly wearing all of us out. I believe people are accessing their humanity and their ability to go deeper into a spiritual consciousness that's generous, that's empathetic, sympathetic, kind, inclusive, diverse. I feel like the earth is cracking open from all of its hardened, um, egoic self when it comes to societies. Is this happening in every case? Man, no. Uh, there's more weird crap. Come, you know, the folks that are not accessing those deeper vibrations, those deeper dynamics of what it means to be human. I've seen, I've seen. You could say the flowering of more demonic. <laughs> to to go a little, um, I don't know. Maybe to maybe I'm overdoing it with that word. People that are not interested in accessing these deeper frequencies of big human there is some dark stuff coming out on the other side just in Nashville the the owner of a restaurant the corner pub of Green Hills last week in the last couple days on Monday this week just started on his uh, Facebook page and some of Twitter <laughs> excuse me some of that stuff's been taken down I think all of it's been taken down but a lot of folks screenshotted it and saved it and reposted it it's the owner of a popular, uh, affluent suburban area restaurant just saying the protesters are animals and in so many words, ain't nothing wrong with running over a few animals if you have to. And that's like one piece of, of day after day commentary on eliminating protesters. And this restaurant's been there for 20 years, easy. The restaurant, that corner pub is financially linked to one of Tara and I's favorite go-tos for delicious comfort food and they have a great bar, but it's the corner pub of the nations, which just announced due to the actions of our partner who runs the Green Hills corner pub, we are now closed. This is a restaurant, I got to tell you, Tara and I visited this restaurant and spent money and we definitely did all, when, when the COVID thing loosened up about a month ago, a little bit for restaurants, we started going to that, of all the restaurants, no question, we're like, that. this one is the one we like the most, the one in the nations. Um, we got to see, and we knew the bartender slash server there. And we knew the other one. There's a man and a woman. Um, there's another guy too. I just remember there's a third guy that we hadn't seen as much uh, since before. But 
I just found out yesterday that the Nations, which is in a partnership with the, you could call it the racist corner pub, um, or just anti-democracy, <laughs> or both. I just found out yesterday that they're closed, and I gotta believe that they're gonna find a way to reopen. Maybe it's the kind of thing where they change their name and just fully dissociate. Disassociate or dissociate? One of those two. Both of those things. Um, they will, they will re rebrand as something else. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful restaurant. It's within walking distance. It was like a half mile at the most from Tara and I's house. And it's, it's a, now more than ever, here's the good news. I can't wait for Corner Pub in the Nations to reopen as Maybe it's just called the Nation's Pub, or maybe it's called um, Non-Racist Nation's Pub. I'm kidding. It'll be something normal and something good. And here's the thing. I can't wait, and I know we still have COVID-related concerns, and that's always a thing. But, um, I mean, it's always a thing right now. But I can't wait to go and know, and I will spend more money there knowing that I'm a part of, I'm a part of a healthy environment that's pro-human. It's not linked to some additional ideology of pure purified thought, which you know, I wish I could say going to religious environments had that. But I I think, you know, it's not a good situation right now. You you know, <laughs> there's just been, there's been so, one thing that's just been comically sad to me, all these powerful, white, wealthy churches around Nashville, white and wealthy suburban churches, silent, just, or maybe, you know, they don't, they don't know what to say because they, they, they know that they're being out humanitied by the person that lives two houses down from you that doesn't care about, you can believe whatever you want in the religious realm. Um, I think we're in a hopeful time. People have quit hedging with what is right. The owner of the nation's corner pub quit hedging, dissociated, People on next door, which is an app and usually an annoying thing, I'll be honest, and it's my experience, because people just overdo it with all their petty posts. Well, this this detracted some of the most posts I've ever seen, and the not all, but the majority of the posts were in support of the nation's corner pub disassociating from corner pub greenhills. That's crazy. That's a restaurant that already was struggling like like every restaurant because of the pandemic issues that you would close now on a kind of societal technicality. I told Tara, I've never heard of this in my life, a restaurant closing because they're upset about a misunderstanding of racism. And of course, Tara's always a little ahead of me. She's like, well, of course, that's what you do. 
and the, the still learning businessman in me was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't, I'm not saying I don't agree with, I was just, I was, a, I'm, I'm a student of, I'm, I'm a student of how money is made in every sphere. I'm a student of business and I've just not heard of a business closing before because a partner business was misbehaving. Does that make sense? There's humanity rising to the surface for good. That is so encouraging. I can't wait to spend more money when they reopen at Corner Pub in the nations. I can hear the tornado sirens. There's no tornado, but they test them at 12 noon here in West Nashville. <laughs> you know, we're going to make it. I'm going to make it. I believe it's easy to say, but why not just say it? We're all going to make it. This is the hardest societal time I've ever lived through in my almost 45 years. And my birthday is two months from tomorrow, August 7. I'll be 45. I think about that every single day because that number seems so old to me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> my email, if you want to write about any of this, lilwhq at gmail.com, lilwhq at gmail.com. Any responses, any ideas, welcome. Until next time, this is Jeff Little for the Attentionist Podcast. I just don't.